Discover FX's Shogun, the official podcast available now. Every legend begins with a story. Listen and explore episode by episode the story of war, passion, and power set in feudal Japan. Join host Emily Yoshida each week with the creators, cast, and crew in this exclusive companion podcast. They dive deep into the twists and turns of the plot, go behind the scenes, and explore the real-life history that informed the limited series based on James Clavell's best-selling novel. Search FX's Shogun wherever you listen to podcasts. Tax season is approaching, bringing potential extra cash your way. Rather than spending it all on an expensive deal filled with yada yada from your current wireless plan, consider switching to Metro by T-Mobile for no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada you don't take yada yada in life don't take yada yada from your wireless provider metro by t-mobile has no contracts no credit checks no surprises and nada yada yada stop by one of over six thousand metro stores nationwide this episode is brought to you by alienware during dell tech fest score game-changing innovations with limited time deals on select next-gen alienware gaming tech new dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the alienware m18 laptop powered by an intel core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals liquid cooling three-dimensional audio with dolby atmos and impressive overclocking potential your dream setup amazing prices and free shipping await you for a limited time only at alienware deals. That's alienware.com slash deals. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. It's time for our weekly listener mail segment. And full disclosure, folks, uh, this is one of those episodes where we all got together. We try to give each other a little bit of a heads up as we're going into these. And um, sometimes we'll find things that are so heavy or disturbing from your fellow listeners that we intentionally try to find things that are a little bit lighter to, to sort of balance this out so that you don't leave feeling like an hour more depressed <laughs> than you were. <laughs> uh, but we we're touching on some things that are mysteries in the U.S., we're touching on some things that are mysteries and tragedies and conspiracies abroad, and uh, then we're gonna we're gonna talk in your sleep a little, or we're gonna share a story about it. Also, that's that is kind of a shout out to uh, all the very kind people who have left reviews on Apple Podcast, giving us five stars and saying, "I love this podcast." 
it puts me to sleep right away. That's right. Not- <laughs> nice people have been leaving reviews now. This is a change. <laughs> no, come I, on. I, I love this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also nod to you, Mike Burbibli. Mike Burbiblia. Mike uh, yeah. Burbiblia. He knows. He knows who he is. <laughs> Do you like how I, I didn't care if anybody else knew that you were saying Mike Burbiblia? <laughs> Mike Burbiblia. Sorry about that, Mike. <clears throat> <clears throat> Big fans. Okay, Big so hits. yeah, what do we want to do first, Ben? Uh, you know, it's tough, but here's what I think we do, Matt. I think we we save our sleep stuff for our third act. It's a nice bookend because we're talking about sleep in the beginning. And Everyone will be dozing off by then. Okay, great. <laughs> five stars. And I just want to, I just want to like reiterate, it was a nice five star review. Um. <laughs> So we have some mysteries afoot, and there's one that I'm sure some of our friends on Here's Where It Gets Crazy have clocked. I clocked it as well, and uh, you did too, Noel. The, uh, there was something screwy afoot in the, ver- like the literal very end of the Trump administration, right? Yeah, it would seem so. Um, literally, like, moments after Trump vacated the premises— uh, this entire swath of the internet, uh, in the form of like you know millions of IP addresses uh, that were previously associated with the White House but had been dormant, all of a sudden came to life. Uh, what does this mean? So essentially, it means after you know twenty plus years uh, of not using this swath, this chunk of the internet, the Pentagon has now given over millions of IP addresses to a third-party company uh, in an effort to identify cyber threats and vulnerabilities. It's super strange. Um, The company is called Global Resource Systems LLC, um, and it has now claimed 56 million IP addresses that uh, are owned by the Pentagon. And this is what happened pretty much instantly after Trump left office. And then um, this is according to a a great report from the Washington Post by Craig Timberg and Paul Son uh, about this uh, development. Um, And and according to their report, uh, about 175 million is now the total number of these IP addresses, uh, which is about 6% um, of a, a section of the internet called IPv4, which is, uh, this is a little over my head. I'm not like a, a IT guy, but it is, uh, according to uh, Wikipedia, I very rarely cite this, but I think this is uh, an appropriate use of Wikipedia. It is an internet protocol uh, version four, essentially. So it's the fourth version of the internet protocol. Um, it is a core protocol of uh, what's referred to as standards-based internetworking methods um, and other uh, forms of networking involving packet switching. It is just the latest iteration of this very core protocol for internet browsing and internet storage. And by the way, I was treating this like a strange news episode. That is not what this is today. This is a listener mail episode where we highlight uh, messages from the most important part of the show, which is you. And this one comes from KDog77. This is what this individual asked to be referred to, and I'm more than happy to oblige. Uh, K-Dog writes, hey, guys, love, 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 three loves, the show. Uh, Feel free to use my name as K-Dog77. 
done. Uh, appreciate it. And all you guys do, I found your show about a year ago and oh man, you've helped me uh, stay sane for the most part and helped me navigate through some of the most difficult moments in my life. Mm. Um, we're right there with you. Um, K dog, you have done the same for us. Uh, and, and all of your fellow uh, conspiracy realists. We can't thank you enough for all the wonderful um, emails and messages and suggestions for topics and this new listener mail segment that has just become uh, one of my favorite uh, parts of the week. Um, to continue, uh, you've also helped me to feel more comfortable with my nerd persona and those nerdy things I like. So again, thank you to all of you. So I came across the below in my newsfeed and thought this would be something you might be interested in. Seems to me that uh, we as a country could have made some serious money if we were going to sell these IP addresses. I feel like these are going to be used against us for some wonderfully uncomfortable reason. Best gents, stay safe, keep uh, keeping it real, KDog77. Nice, thanks KDog. Yeah, appreciate oh, it. Yeah, very much so. And it's true, that was the part I was getting to uh, before I realized that I, I needed to, to um, talk about KDog. Um, so that's done. Thank you again. Uh, and it's true. This uh, portion of the internet, these IP addresses, you know how, I mean, to buy it, an IP address is, a, I mean, again, I'm not, forgive me if I'm oversimplifying, but, you know, it's like it's a domain. It is a, a piece of storage on the internet. Um, I believe, you know, you, it could be a server. Individual computer users have IP addresses, but what are individual computers, if not just slightly more, uh, rudimentary or basic servers. You know, a server is literally just a computer that is designed to do nothing but store uh, and serve massive amounts of data. And that is basically what the internet is. Uh, and I'm sure there's some uh, tech people out there that would, uh, you know, begrudge me for perhaps oversimplifying, but I think that's basically right. The internet it consists of millions of these server uh, computers that are stored in these massive farms um, that are facilities that are just rows and rows and rows and rows of these rack server units that all represent different swaths of the internet. Uh, Amazon, obviously, is a huge uh, purveyor of these with their Amazon web services. Um, and, you know, there's, of course, other ones. But uh, the point that the article and K-Dog made is that this portion of the internet potentially worth a hell of a lot of money. Uh, 56 million, 175 million IP addresses. Uh, it's 6%, again, of this uh, traditional section of internet real estate, this IPv4, uh, which is worth billions of dollars on the open market. So what's going on? Um, and then just, just to... Mentioned again, you know, we talked about Amazon, but uh, there are uh, companies like AT&T, China Telecom and Verizon uh, that are, you know, that are mega conglomo companies that own the largest portions of the Internet. Um, but now there is another company in the mix called Global Resource Systems, uh, which is a company that only began operating in September and has no publicly reported federal contracts or any kind of public facing presence on the internet. Hmm. And they're yeah. the ones that are now in control of all these IP addresses that are worth billions and billions of dollars. Yeah. It doesn't smell like a front company that is not at all global just... resource systems. Come on. That's might as well be illumination global unlimited. I mean, really. Hey, 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 careful. I'm, I'm saying as far as front companies go, that's 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 the big dog. Well, uh, they're they're a behind the company company. Exactly. I think, right? Exactly. Um, 
Yeah, it's it's bizarre, and and they they uh, they did they did this with very little fanfare. Uh, it wasn't like it was some sort of big initiative that was announced at some sort of presser. Um, it only became kind of public info because the global resource systems uh, takeover of the Pentagon addresses uh, took place in something called Border Gateway Protocol, which is a messaging system that tells different internet providers how and where to route internet traffic uh, throughout the world. Consider it like air traffic control for the internet. Um, and information began piling up that these IP addresses, which which were assigned, you know, there's ownership associated with all these IP addresses to the Pentagon, um, but had been dead, essentially, you know, with zero traffic, not used for any purpose. Uh, and now this message in this, uh, this uh, you know, border gateway protocol system said that they could now accept traffic, but that the traffic needed to be rerouted to GRS global resource systems. Um, so this is when all the kind of chatter started uh, among network admins, people talking about how, what, what, like, what does this mean? They considered this to be uh, the most dramatic shift is again from the, from the to- the post article in IP address space allotment history since um, the 80s, which is obviously like, you know, the earliest days of the internet, period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and these uh, addresses, another strange thing about them, if we, if we didn't uh, hit this before, is that uh, they were, in a way, they were empty houses for decades, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. the timing itself uh, feels... It's easy to understand how that can be suspicious, even without a front company. Like it's it's tough to draw conclusions at this point. But uh, I'll tell you, K Dog, it does not. <laughs> it doesn't look good. You know what I mean? If we were lawyers who were going into conspiracy court to say that this was not uh, suspicious, we would lose that case. There's a lot of circumstantial stuff here. I'm not going to say that there's definitely something to miss, but this is unusual. And, and again, this is, this is unprecedented. This dude named Doug uh, Madgery, who's the director of internet analysis for a company called Kentech, which uh, monitors this type of thing for a living. He said that this is uh, bigger than anything in the history ever in the history of the internet in a blog post recently. Um, and there's a lot of theories that that's, that's the beauty of this. There's a lot of speculation because there have, hasn't been an official announcement. Um, one theory is that perhaps someone at the Department of Defense um, sold off a, f- a portion of these IP addresses as Trump uh, took off, as, as Trump left office. Um, another potential uh, theory is this notion that the Pentagon um, acted on uh, pressure they've been under for years to unload these IP addresses that uh, the military just been sitting on uh, for for many 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 years and not using. We did get something approaching an answer recently. Um, this article is from April twenty fourth, uh, so this is all very fresh. And this is what we got. It's not much, but but it's something. There is a unit, an elite unit in the Pentagon called the Defense Digital Service. Um, which uh, reports directly to the Secretary of Defense. 
Um, and I love this, according to the Washington Post article, this group affectionately refers to themselves as a SWAT team of nerds. Uh, and essentially, they are kind of the first responders for any, uh, you know, significant information breach or uh, running experiments um, to help the military achieve, you know, information superiority, essentially. Uh, and it's a pretty new unit, actually, which makes sense because government tends to move slower than technology. Uh, but it was established in 2015, um, and it has a, a very state-of-the-art office within the Pentagon. Um, and for the last several years, have been working on things ranging from, like, biometric uh, measurement applications uh, to help identify like friendlies in combat um, and differentiate them from enemies, which can be a problem, especially when you're conducting combat from a distance. Right. Um, so this would help eliminate, you know, collateral damage or at the very least reduce it. And, and also, uh, you know, working on encryption, you know, making sure that Pentagon emails are uh, encrypted at the most uh, secure levels um, imaginable. Uh, so there was a statement uh, from the director of this, this uh, unit, a guy named Brett Goldstein, who said that his unit authorized some sort of pilot program uh, that would utilize the IP address, uh, the IP addresses in question. Uh, and he said the pilot will assess, evaluate, and prevent unauthorized use of DOD IP address space. Additionally, this pilot may identify potential vulnerabilities. So is the, I think guys, the implication here is that these dormant IP addresses could have been like, you mentioned them as empty houses, Ben, maybe means some people were like squatting in them. Yeah. So when I had first heard about this story, um, which as you said, broke just a few days ago, that was, that was one of the first questions. So if these are kind of empty houses or, you know, vacant parking spots or whatever you want to call them, if they're placeholders, then why are they suddenly interesting, right, to, to an organization the size of the Pentagon and to these specialized divisions? I've read some fascinating theories, and it sounds like they may have encountered a ton of unexpected traffic which means to keep with the empty house analogy, there might not be any furniture in the house or any people living there, but that doesn't stop anyone from coming and trying to knock on the door, trying to get in. So it's possible that they may be uh, doing this just to clean up the space to sell it later, or that they're cleaning it up for their own use later, or that they're doing it entirely to circumvent whatever uh, potential hijacking is going on. And maybe maybe they're working on something uh, where, or maybe their aim is rather to gather intelligence. Because if you, if you look at this and you're not an expert, which none of us are uh, in, in this field, then it, it seems plausible that they might suspect other nations' militaries or other nations' SWAT teams of nerds uh, for trying to get, get in that way. Yeah, I, I would say that feels like the most likely scenario here. Imagine if you could hijack some of these IP addresses. You could make it look as though you were coming from the Pentagon to access maybe other parts of the Pentagon's mm -hmm. infrastructure there, maybe to access other sensitive government 
<laughs> cyber assets. I love I love when the government in the United States uses the term cyber. cyber. Uh, <laughs> cyber I, love, I, love, I love it when they just I love it when they just use it by itself. Ooh. Like that was something that Trump did often, where he was always talking about cyber. It's the most important. Like it just sounds like grandpa talking it, about computers. It's a disease of uh, CEOs, honestly, high level executives. I mean, specifically because uh, if you've ever been in conversations with uh, investment bankers or people in the more esoteric level, higher esoteric levels of business, they talk about these things in such a weird way. It's it's the it sounds like the same sort of stuff you would hear um, from high level military members sometimes where they're like, oh, yeah, I uh, had some conversation with a guy who is like, I work in water. And I was like, what is that? What do you mean? It's like, oh, I'm a banker. I'm like, this is more confusing. Are you a lifeguard <laughs> at the bank pool? Or are you like, do you give people at your bank water? Are you the water boy for Morgan <laughs> Chase? Or like, and and no, entirely. His whole job is to like talk in a high level way about water and then throw money at things. Nice, nice. Well, uh, in, in this case, you guys, I'm really imagining the scenario where the Pentagon discovered a ton of traffic, like you said, Ben, going to a swath of these of these IP addresses. They just realized one day, oh wait, aren't isn't all that dormant? We're not. None of those are turned on. Why is there activity showing up? Or they, you know, they were investigating someone in some other country. And they found multiple IP addresses that are actually Pentagon IP addresses being used, you know, at a in an an evil HQ somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they realized, oh God, wait, we need to check this out. And they did it secretly in this way. They got a front company. They mm-hmm. sent it through that messaging system to just turn on those those um, IP addresses again and send the traffic back to an internal server somewhere via that front company. Then it's, it was like a net. It was just like, shoot, we got all of that traffic. We know where it's coming from, where it's going, or at least according to their VPNs and whatever else they're using. I would say we have to be careful of our domestic blinders because it's quite possible that Uncle Sam is not necessarily the good guy in this scenario. They might not be the homeowner. I, what you say about front companies, is that's another thing I was thinking about too, because if it's just a front company, then uh, the Pentagon could still clearly control it. And let's say they want to uh, they want to do something unethical slash illegal slash shady with like China or Russia's military. Then let's say you have because they have their own version right of this structure. And so, what if they get a weird r- routing notice from a third party company in the U.S. they've never heard of? The question is, like, if there is something like that going on, uh, could the U.S. hackers, cyber warriors, excuse me, uh, get away with that sort of wolf in sheep's clothing disguise for long enough to get something actionable or worthwhile? Yes, I think that's a possibility. And I only use that phrase evil layer as in, like, that's what somebody from the Pentagon has. I don't know. Whatever. That's how. That's how Group A would describe the uh, opposition force. <laughs> I mean, they're pro-layer. At the, at the top, these guys are all very pro-layer. It's a giant Pentagon, you guys. It is a ridiculous flex. World's largest office yeah. building. 
It's very strange. It's very strange. Did you guys, uh, we've talked about this, but there was a whole effort to like levitate the Pentagon by this sort mm-hmm. of uh, hippie, well, it was the yippies, but it was Kenneth Anger, I believe, was like an artist and kind of like a activist and also like sort of a, a, a satirical practitioner of black magic uh, and filmmaker. But yeah, this whole like, you know, like the levitation of the Pentagon, it was kind of a hippie kind of loving sort of uh, psychedelic happening. Um, but yeah, man, this is a really interesting story. I, I, I'm asked, I'm wondering, so like, this has to, I mean, you know, let, let's, let's just uh, picture like the, the nineties visual equivalent of the internet, you know, like in hackers or something. I'm picturing myself like as a, you know, uh, digitized version of myself, like navigating all these millions of IP addresses. It'd be really, it's like a needle in a haystack situation, right? So to like differentiate, you know, the good traffic from the bad traffic would be very difficult or is all traffic suspect because it should, there shouldn't be any, right? Is that kind of, I'm making sure I'm understanding what the red flag was here. Well, we don't know yet. We don't have enough information. We've got some pretty basic PR essentially from the Pentagon in the form of statements from people like Brett Goldstein, who's there at the Defense Digital Service. Yes. Uh, he's the director there. At the Defense Digital Service. Right, the SWAT uh, team of nerds. Well, ser- servicing all of the cyber assets uh, that the DOD has. Uh, but, you know, that they're just saying, hey, yeah, we're doing a thing, so don't worry about it. It's cool. We're going to strengthen our defense and just don't worry about it. We're good. Okay. I will take their word for it and move on. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> But definitely something to keep an eye on, right? Uh, and and is I think the implication here too is we would never have heard about it if it wasn't for some like eagle-eyed IT folks. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Thank you, DARPA, for creating the internet or ARPA or what, Ben? Was it ARPA or DARPA when the internet? Uh, ARPANET. ARPANET uh, is the name for the precursor. And yeah, thank you, thank you, K Dog. I I think this could, depending on how it shakes out, this could be an episode in the future. I think you mean Al Gore. Thank you for the internet. The tubes, all the trucks going through the tubes. Oh, exactly. I would love to to, to take a ride through those tubes. Um, but yeah, definitely one to keep an eye on. This is fascinating stuff. And uh, absolutely, thank you to K Dog for turning us on to this story. And we're going to hear from some more listeners just like you. And we hop back from a quick break. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. There's plenty to celebrate in March and expect. 
National Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know, taxis and stuff. Shady subscriptions. Did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase, but then you found yourself subscribed? Yeah, I had to call and stop payment on something because I had subscribed to it through Apple Pay. And even though I had like put a new card on there, it still was tied to whatever card was associated with my Apple Pay. So I had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled. It was really, really annoying. Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life and you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. And we have returned. We have not returned alone. Now, for the next few minutes, we are accompanied by Knockout Ned, uh, which is a great name. Uh, That's a knockout nickname, Ned. Tongue twister, future, mental note. Uh, So Knockout Ned wrote to us twice uh, over this month with some information about a troubling thing that candidly is going to be um, a personal matter to a lot of our fellow listeners in the audience today. Uh, And it examines a tragedy that remains somewhat mysterious and, in truth, may never actually be solved. Um, I knock out, Ned, I am going to uh, read some excerpts from your emails, uh, but if you want to hear the whole story after after you learn uh, some of these revelations and you'd like to read uh, Knockout Ned's emails in full, uh, please just hit us up at conspiracy at iheartradio.com. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad to uh, share the full story uh, while preserving, uh, preserving this Knockout Ned's anonymity. So, uh, Knockout Ned, you said you all must do a piece on the Special Operations Group, or SOG, of the Vietnam War. Ultimately, these were a bunch of army rangers who worked with indigenous forces in Vietnam and ran top-secret missions into Laos and Cambodia when we were not supposed to be there. Side note, that is true. That is proven. Their casualty rate was over 100%. That bears some scrutiny. They were instructed not to speak about their missions for at least 20 years. These guys were crazy. Knockout Ned, you recommend that we listen to Jocko Wilnick's podcast episode 205, and I promise you will not believe what you hear. These guys are worth a full episode. They went into combat with no dog tags, sterile uniforms, told if they were caught, they were on their own, always behind enemy lines, always outnumbered, missions directly from the White House or the CIA. And then we got a follow-up from you 
Ned, where you said you did an episode on whether America left soldiers behind in Vietnam and if some of those missing soldiers were left due to the clandestine nature of their top secret missions. Well, the SOG, the Studies and Observation Group, were the soldiers you were thinking about. There's stories that when an SOG team went missing and couldn't be located, a B-52 would bomb the last known areas as it was understood that these guys could not be taken alive. They were high priority targets for the Viet Cong, and when they learned about them, they created SOG kill teams where they used human trackers and bloodhounds to hunt them. Many of them disappeared and were never found. Uh, and then, Knockout Ned, you, you continue with this, and you also explain that interesting part of having an over 100% casualty rate by saying uh, the fact that SOG teams were seven, maybe nine members, and they were usually facing an enemy with numbers in the hundreds only adds to the, the lore, the allure, the mythology of this. And then Knockout Ned ends by saying, you have to do an episode on these guys. They're now able to tell their stories, so there should be no shortage of information out there. You can probably get one to come onto your show. I'm telling you, go into a dark room and turn off all the lights and listen to Dick Thompson speak in that podcast I referenced in my first email. It will blow your mind. It's a hell of a story. Do you guys remember when we looked into uh, the very, very strange things that were occurring, especially toward the close of the Vietnam War? Yes, I do. And there are a lot of tales, there are stories that have been told in popular media about the Vietnam War. We, we've mentioned a lot of these in the past, and there are a lot of tales about soldiers who were left behind or got stuck there for one reason or another. And when we covered it before, it still felt like something that Again, you we just we just talked about it. you want to believe your country is going to be the good guy. You want to believe your team is the right team. They're, you know, those blinders that we're mentioning. And more and more we learn that the nature of warfare is so gray. There are so many awful things that happen to everybody when when there's a hot war going on. And this whole topic, the, I think, is it special operations group or studies and observation group. I, he, he calls it a couple different things in his emails, mm -hmm. but uh, whatever it, whatever it was, these soldiers, if they were real, and I'm sure you're going to tell me if they were or not, Ben, uh, you know, going into Laos and Cambodia when they shouldn't be there doing these secret things, the government had to keep that distance, had to like act like it wasn't act, it wasn't truly happening or it wasn't their idea it was just a couple of bad apples that found the, found themselves in Cambodia while uh Vietnam was was facing the conflict it's just awful to think about it that way because yeah. the individual person is or that three Americans and all of the you know mm -hmm. the Laotian or Cambodian uh citizens are being affected yeah yeah and you're right, Matt. This is definitely a real group. Specifically, it's MACVSOG, Military Assistance Command, Vietnam Dash Studies and Observations Group. Okay. Uh, this this letter, you know, and Knockout Ned, um, we really appreciate you going back and checking out that earlier episode. Uh, there had been a few things. Let's see. That was twenty, probably twenty fourteen, maybe. I'm just guessing uh, there, unfortunately, uh, after multiple congressional investigations, 
the official conclusion of the U.S. government is that there were no people left behind alive. But if you talk to a lot of uh, Vietnam veterans, you will see that many do not believe that official story. It is it is true. It is inarguable that some bodies had never been recovered from Vietnam uh, on both sides. People disappeared in, in the tragic circumstances of war. But the big question is, were any soldiers left alive? And this could happen for a number of reasons. One, if it is a clandestine mission and plausible deniability, the clean hands principle takes precedent, then the argument there is that those folks got left behind, but they knew what they were signing up for before things went south. The second idea is that someone would be caught, captured, kept as a POW, uh, and kept alive, which is strange to think about because you have to ask yourself about the logic there, right? Like, why would you, if you are holding uh, an American POW in your captivity, why would you keep them alive? As brutal and cold as it sounds, would it not be more politically convenient to either release them in a gesture of goodwill or pull a quid pro quo? or to simply quietly end their lives, which is brutal, but that that is sometimes the calculus of war. The third one, perhaps more interesting, uh, is the idea of a U.S. soldier voluntarily staying, right? Vol- just saying, hey, stuff in the U.S. wasn't quite, you know, I, I didn't enjoy it there. This is my chance to start over. This is my chance to escape. Totally. It happened once. Uh did we do an episode on this? I feel like I we was did. ringing a bell. Yeah. Ben, ben just mentioned it. It was 2017, Ben. 2017. It was, um, it was oh, Lord, the title, Did the U.S. Abandon Soldiers in Southeast Asia? Well, I was thinking of something else even, maybe like a history thing, like uh, about someone who kind of like basically switched sides and then kind of got found out later. So I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, it's a little hazy, but but this all is very much ringing a bell. Well, there's another story that's not Vietnam-related. It's uh, James Joseph Dresnok. He joined the North Korean military in 2014. That's the one. So there are are reports, multiple reports, of uh, U.S. service members defecting to North Korea, people like Joseph T. White, people like we just mentioned. And in our previous episode that we're just talking about regarding the Vietnam War, what we found was disturbing because we see a discrepancy in the stories. And that itself is not uncommon, but what uh, what is circumstantially troubling here is that we know in the circumstances of at least a few operations that are known to the public now, and at least a few of those operations, plausible deniability was a huge thing. These people were literally told, if this goes wrong, then you have died. Even if you haven't died, you have died. And And, we will bomb your your last known location. (laughs) Right. And we shall sow the earth with assault of bombs and bullets. This hasn't ever really gone cold. And the, the idea of solving this mystery and proving whether or not people were left in Vietnam or abandoned to die uh, is it's still very much a concern for people who have survived the Vietnam War or for people who lost relatives to it uh, or for people, you know, whose whose parents or their siblings were involved. 
Another thing interesting about this SOG group in Vietnam is that they were tasked with taking the fight to the enemy, quote unquote, the enemy, regardless of where they were, even if it was in Cambodia, Laos, or North Vietnam. That's where U.S. troops were not supposed to be, which means their specialty was breaking the laws that the U.S. had agreed to follow. This is the definition of black bag operations. These guys were the real deal. They were in the as veterans would say. Uh, But I wasn't quite, like to knock out Ned's point, I... I listened back to our episode and we did we did a good job with the information we had, I think. But at the time, you know, some of these people still were probably not speaking for one reason or another about their experiences. So I did some digging and I reached out to some contacts, some sources, some veterans, uh, and they the stuff that they said, I don't know if it would surprise you all to hear it, but uh, they they said they absolutely believe it's true. I think a lot of veterans believe people were left behind in Vietnam. And with, without, you know, uh, having having our episode notes handy from 2017, as Matt said, wh- what do you guys think when you when you hear this? Do you think that it is possible that these people were purposely left behind? Think about think think about the conflict we're we're talking about here in the Vietnam War. There were. The brass knew that there were war crimes happening on the ground in Vietnam that were being perpetrated by U.S. forces and U.S. supported forces. They knew that. Um, they also knew that if they entered into other sovereign nations, other sovereign states like Laos and Cambodia, that's just more stuff that makes them look really, really bad. Even if there are strategic targets in those countries or you know there were supplies coming from those countries that were aiding in this case, the quote enemy, um, it, it's such a bad look. And it makes complete sense to me that somebody at the very top, very cold and calculated would make the decision to, to make that, um, the policy that you're, you will not be coming back if you get caught. Yeah. And that, that would explain mm. the idea of bobbing, uh, the area where they were last located, uh, so that there would literally be no physical proof of U.S. presence there. And this is, you know, this this is one of those arguments uh, where you can picture the people in the room saying there is a greater good at play, but a greater good can oftentimes be dangerous or a smaller good, like individual sure. safety. Here's the twist. I looked into... Um, You know, as I said, I reached out to some folks who preferred to remain anonymous, but I wanted to uh, share this with you guys. Um, First, someone wrote to me and told me that not uh, that the odds of military members getting rescued or hostages getting rescued, uh, depending on where you are in the world, is actually very low. And it would disturb the public to realize just this is not necessarily negligence, but just to realize how difficult it is to conduct an extraction mission like that safely. Um, even even the hardcore pros might find the circumstances challenging. And then I heard back from someone, uh, again, wishing to remain anonymous. Uh, here's their take. They took this in a totally different uh, direction. 
they responded when I asked, uh, do you believe that people were intentionally left behind alive in Vietnam or Southeast Asia in general? Uh, they said, I do not believe that it was intentionally done. But in the late 60s and early 70s, there were some rumors that people who had contracted, quote, the Black VD had been purposely retained in Vietnam. On the other hand, there is a solid possibility that a number of people were retained by the North Vietnamese government, either because they knew things about North Vietnam that were not in the best interest of the country, or because they had serious injuries caused by interrogation techniques. And lastly, there were numerous stories about commanders who would put their problem children on point continually because if that individual was killed or captured, it was no big loss. I have not seen firsthand data about these claims, says this source, but I did know a couple of guys who worked body recovery in the 80s, and they refused to venture their opinions to me. Interesting. Black VD, you mean venereal disease, like some sort of infection? That's the, yeah, that's the, that's the twist. That's what stood out to me as well. So I asked, what is, what is black VD? You know, we've got Agent Orange. Isn't that enough? Uh, black VD is a, a, a venereal disease that could not be cured. And supposedly, according to people who believe this theory, uh, it may have been the first uh, of HIV contractions that people were aware of. Uh, which would absolutely change the story of the progression of AIDS and HIV. But the, the story is that there were some people who went on R&R in other countries or, you know, were living the red light lifestyle when they weren't working. Sure. And that they came back with something that doctors didn't recognize other than the fact that it was incurable. How about that? So, so is the implication almost in the way that, is it like, blaming vietnam for aids i'm not sure well because specifically the way the theory goes is that they didn't contract it necessarily in vietnam they went to an mm. adjacent country I see, I see i see i see but it's if you're looking into the evolution of aids itself uh the official story is at least according to the cdc that a san francisco resident named Ken Horn was the first person identified uh, in the 1980s with uh, having contracted AIDS. He's considered the first patient of the AIDS epidemic in the U.S. But then, like we did in our AIDS episode, uh, we traced back several other theories, right? It's just strange that this lore has entered here as well. Um, as I'm with you guys. It is difficult to say for sure, whether or not uh, people were non-consensually left alive in that country, sacrificed at the altar of the greater good. But at least one other thing, and that's what I want to end this on, uh, the next thing we have to think about, what are we going to learn 20 years after the Iraq War? Uh, the U.S. is pulling out most of its, the U.S. is pulling out a lot of troops in Afghanistan in the upcoming days. Uh, private contractors will remain. What are we going to learn about that? You know, what what is going to be the story about the so-called graveyard of empires? Uh, what other dirty secrets are going to come out? And when will this end? To all the veterans in the audience today, we hope this message finds you safe. We hope this message finds you well. Uh, and we would love to hear your take. Do you think this is simply 
you know, like an urban legend at this point? Or is there a grain of truth to it? Let us know. Uh, We're going to pause for a word from our sponsors. We'll be back with hopefully something a little less heavy. I know I've been hyping you up this whole episode, Matt. This is this is going to be to be worth a wait. Yeah, man. Fluff your pillows. It's sleepy time when we come back. I got my weighted blanket. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. (laughs) I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. Oh, my friends love it. I love that it's KidSafe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March, and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know taxis and stuff shady subscriptions did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase but then you found yourself subscribed yeah i had to call and stop payment on something because i had subscribed to it through apple pay and even though i had like put a new card on there it still was tied to whatever card was associated with my apple pay so i had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled It was really, really annoying. Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life and you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. And we're back. I love weighted blankets. It's so they are, weird. Oh. It sh- shouldn't work like that. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> yeah, it what, what, what's the deal? It's just like the weight of it makes you feel safe or something. Is it? Yeah, it's comforting. It is a comforting <laughs> thing. It's great. It's great for kids. Uh, uh, for dogs, it's a thunder vest for people. Mm-hmm. For anyone who's familiar with those things for dog anxiety. But you have to be very, very careful. They are, they're graded for the weight. 
like depending on the weight of the person sleeping under the blanket, you got to be careful how much weight uh, inside that blanket you put on top of somebody. Could be a good uh, way of making sure your kids don't get out of bed, right? Mm-hmm. Ties into this. So let's, let's listen to a message that was sent to us from Miller. Hello, Matt, Ben, Noel, and super producer. Alexis, codename Doc Holiday Jackson. I have a topic for you. Um, I've never heard anything really scientific about it, but it baffles my mind. And that is talking in your sleep and swinging your arms about in a violent manner like my six-year-old daughter does. She still likes to sleep with daddy. Being a single father, I find it comforting. She'll start in her bed and always wind up in mine. But I've woken up with many a bloody nose and woken up in the middle of the night only to hear <laughs> many ramblings of a six-year-old. And uh, it just it's very amusing, and uh, I just want to know what she's dreaming about. Um, this is uh, Miller from Central Illinois. Love you guys. Uh, you helped me get through hellish days, I tell you what. Um, thanks for doing what you're doing and being who you are. And um, I don't know, tell me stuff I don't want to know. <laughs> oh, that was great! I yes. love it. Tell him stuff he doesn't, but but he doesn't want to know it. We 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 we, we want to be consensual here. Um, it's not what we don't want you to know; it's what they don't want you to know. Yeah. Well, it's it's whoever is you know haunting your daughter's dreams. Maybe it's yeah. something they don't want you to know. Did either of you guys have any experience with sleepwalking or or serious sleep talking? Yes. Same. I was a gnarly sleepwalker. I sleptwalked to my neighbor's house one time and knocked on the door. And then I also sleptwalked into my dad's room and peed in his bedside drawer. Ben, you, you said it very gravely. Do you, do you have anything you want to share? No. Like, are we talking killed a guy? <laughs> uh, here's a fun fact you might not want to know, Miller. <laughs> Uh, the for a long time the subway there was a subway in the Pentagon going back to Pentagon facts and uh, that was the only subway in the world where employees had to get a top secret security clearance like they had to get well not top secret they had to get a security clearance to work there which seems like such a hassle What's okay that? okay Miller to, come on <laughs> Miller something happened to Ben in the subway at the Pentagon clearly, while he was asleep. We're going to get to the bottom of this. That's stuff Ben doesn't want you to know. It may or may not, it may or may not involve peeing like my, like my story, but uh, leaning towards may not, but no, this is crazy. This is, it's interesting. I mean, I, I, I'm sure there's, have you found any studies on this, Matt? What, what did your uh, research uncover into this topic? There's a lot of interest and information and research out there on different versions of parasomnia or different parasomnias. Uh, sleep disorders, issues with humans and sleep. And we all know how much Ben hates sleep. Yep. I'm not a huge fan either, but, uh, <laughs> I ain't taking but, it either. but the reason, uh, the reason Miller, why I really wanted to talk about this is because my five-year-old son has some pretty serious sleep issues. It's not, um, life-threatening. It's not scary. Really. It's a little disturbing though. And I'm sure that's probably what you're feeling right now with your six-year-old. Um, I'll just give you my example and then tell you a little bit about what I've learned. My son talks in his sleep a lot 
And much of the time, it's just completely not understandable, incomprehensible. Uh, but it seems to be associated with nightmares or at least unpleasant dreams of some sort that he can't really recall, but he knows he knows it's not pleasant. And there's sometimes a werewolf involved. I actually had the same dream when I was a kid about a werewolf and I couldn't sleep very well. It was recurring. Um, mm. But that definitely is occurring. So that's why I was interested in all of this stuff, even prior to you uh, calling in to us. So let's talk about parasomnia. We've talked about a couple of different versions on this show, specifically the origins of nightmares, what that, what those are, night terrors, and uh, sleep paralysis. We've really hit on those before on this show. Mm. So let's go through. I'm on the Sleep Foundation. That's sleepfoundation.org. If you want to go here, Miller, to learn a little bit more about what's going on. There are several types. One is non-REM-related parasomnia. So the, this is just a kind of a category of different types of parasomnia. Uh, there's confusal arousals. This is a really interesting one. This is one where it appears that someone who was asleep and has woken up, they seem like they're awake a little bit, but not really. They're doing some strange things. Um, They've got an accelerated heartbeat. They are breathing differently. Their pupils are a little more dilated than usual, and there's a confusion that's occurring. They're not really sure what's going on. My son has displayed that, and it is a scary situation because you're not sure... Right. You're not sure if if the person is awake or asleep. Mm -hmm. You're you can't really speak to them. They're kind of aware that there's Mm -hmm. things happening where they are, but not really. Strange. Does he he ever like talk in the Tony voice from The Shining? You know, like I'm I'm only half joking. I mean, I certainly have encountered people in their sleep that do take on a different vocal uh, intonation. Mm. I've never experienced that with my son. But what he will do is he'll start that way and then sleepwalk, which is just he'll find his way out towards the bathroom or think he's going towards the bathroom, which comes into your whole peeing in the drawer thing. Mm-hmm. My peeing on my dad's speakers while he was listening to vinyl on headphones. When I knew I was a you kid. had a pee story. I knew but, it. I wasn't alone. But he, he'll do that. But then he will speak and he will sometimes speak to something that is not there. Or what appears to be a being that is not there, somewhere in the corner, somewhere in the dark, and <laughs> it's okay. You you got a very easy test for this, Matt. Uh, see how see how the doggos are reacting. Like I wouldn't, I, you know, for this for sleepwalkers, I, I do have experience with this. Uh, I've only ever been freaked out if like a household pet is also staring at the corner. And then that's the time where I think, I, maybe, maybe I'll go out. You know what I mean? Maybe I'll, maybe I'll go to Subway. This episode <laughs> is brought to you by Kitty. Uh, so you're, you're right. Like, I, I, I think one thing is the word parasomnia might seem very niche to people. But as you said, it is an umbrella term. And I am virtually certain that everybody listening here has had an experience with parasomnia because one of the most frequent types of parasomnia, from what I understand, is nightmares. The kind, the kind that are so terrible that you wake up and like you know that the ocean is actually made of water. You know that you bleed blood instead of spiders, but you just you can't. It's three in the morning. And you can't get back to sleep, and you're really starting 
to consider if you should look under the Band-Aid or not. And you just kind of try to get yourself in a different mind state. That's parasomnia. Reality is really fuzzy in that state between wake and sleep. And I personally, um, I will share, I, without getting into it, I will share uh, part of the reason I'm reticent to talk about it. I had conversations I was not aware of that were recorded oh. while I was asleep. And they're super creepy. I don't Whoa. think there's anything supernatural, to be clear. I just think it's super creepy to hear yourself like that. It would be like if you guys had a video of yourselves rousing from bed and somnambulating to uh, <laughs> urinate in, in, in these various non-commodes. Non like, you'd be, it's weird to watch that, right? Can you imagine the TikTok views you could get, boys? Oh, there is actually... I, I would ask my wife right now, but she yes. she she watches somebody on TikTok that allegedly I'm saying allegedly films herself sleepwalking with her boyfriend in the room all the time, and she does the wackiest stuff that mm. fe feels scripted to me, and I'm I'm suspicious, but mm. I'm not saying that's what it is. I'm saying I maybe don't personally believe that it's. <laughs> Always genuine sleepwalking. This is astrology all over again. <laughs> all right, let me take a crack at it. Uh, so I've seen <laughs> I, I've seen at least one person doing this on TikTok. I, I I've seen a I don't know if it's the same person, but the clip I saw uh, this individual she is there's a caption that says you know I sleepwalk and I record myself. That's my thing. Hello internet, and uh, she talks in text about the dream she remembers having. And there's one where she is like walking. You see it through um, a living room camera mm -hmm. in the corner. And she's walking, carrying stuff awkwardly from the kitchen. Right. Are we talking about the same one, like cans of stuff? And she walks out to her front porch and it's late at night. And the, there's a, a camera in the corner of the front porch. And she starts throwing this stuff into the yard. <laughs> right. Is this the same video? It's yeah. That's one of the ones that. My wife showed me, and, but you have to understand the reason why I'm suspicious is because it's not just that one great video that was captured. It's now a daily post, however frequently post situation where it's like, look at me, I'm still sleepwalking. <laughs> but it is, they're hilarious. It's great mm -hmm. entertainment. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I want to jump back really quickly, mm -hmm. Miller, to your discussion with your daughter, because one of the things you talked about is violent movements of arms yes. in her sleep. That, to me, is a bit troubling. That is a slightly different disorder. That is a REM-related parasomnia. And it's it's often called REM sleep behavior disorder. Emphasis on behavior there, because it is something that you're, you are doing while you are asleep. This is... This is a, a very different situation. Um... And it's it's kind of weird. I don't know. To me, it's a, I guess it's not fully weird, but it's a little different that your daughter at six years old has this because it's often observed in older people. This is a, a fairly frequent thing in at least according to the Sleep Foundation in people aged 50 and older. It's, it's most common, at least in that age range. The sleep talking, however, is very common in ages like early age. So I think three to 10 is the most common age range there. For, uh, I saw five for, to 12, but yeah, okay. it's, it's yeah. a young, it's a young folks game. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's, that's coming from different places. WebMD is the one that says 
50% of children between three and 10 uh, carry on conversations while asleep. <laughs> hmm. Full on conversations. Um, yeah, you can go to WebMD and there's a whole article called Talking in Your Sleep from 2019 that goes over a lot of this. It talks about some of the, you know, the different reasons for it. What you should know right now is that it does not mean there's anything wrong with your daughter. This is a, while not extremely everyday common, a common thing. The same deal with the REM sleep disorder that you're that she may be experiencing where she's moving around a lot. Uh, there's just a little restless sleep. So, you know, I, this is not medical advice, but I would talk to, you know, the pediatrician, talk about things like diet, talk about things like, mm -hmm. you know, what time she's eating certain things. I don't know. That's one of the only things you can really control as a parent, right? Or what is your this medication eats. maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and one of the big things before we close out here, something to look into if you're interested, Miller or anybody else out there, Check out Sleepwalk with me. That's that Mike Berbig Mike Berbiglia. Mike Berbiglia. Uh, fantastic writer and comedian and actor. And Sleepwalk with me is the true story that he tells about his experience with REM's behavior disorder. Anyway, it's it's really great and kind of chilling, kind of sad. Very cathartic. It's it's fantastic. Can't recommend it enough. Oh, and one other thing with Mike Probigley, I think he's spoken about it publicly before. Or it's a part of that sleepwalk with me. Uh, there are some medications that you can go on or you can be put on to help deal with things like that, like moving in your sleep or talking in your sleep or just having your REM or non-REM cycles disrupted by those kinds of behaviors and activities. I would, you know, again, not medical advice. You probably don't want to give that to a younger person, uh, but you, you should speak to your doctor about that um, if it's a problem in the future. But for now, just enjoy enjoy those awesome moments that you get with your kid while she's still that age. Right, Noel? Yeah, yeah. Um, mine's already gotten to the age where she doesn't really – tell me anything anymore so hopefully hopefully it comes back around guys we used to be so tight no i'm kidding we are tight but um kids 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 have secrets kids have secrets and and some of those things probably uh pop up in their dreams so probably a good way to get the scoop on what's going on with your kid is eavesdropping on them if they're sleep talkers hmm. ah, maybe, yeah. maybe you should record them and then mm -hmm. uh mm -hmm. keep those recordings <laughs> right, <Sure. back. laughs> yeah you know what maybe solemniquies which is the oh, yes. fancy word for those uh maybe uh yeah you know i i would say just respect uh people's privacy and and all those things and then you know if you if you're a parent there is the question like is it is is there a possibility that this would be the audio equivalent of a cute picture your kid would enjoy in the future? Mm. Or are you, are you going to be like, the, if your kid starts dating, instead of showing baby pictures, are you going to say, let me play you this crazy f***ing conversation that the, the person you're going to prom with had with me when they were six? That's weird. That's a weird flex. It is. It could happen. And just remember, guys, we've talked about this many a time before. The That space... That you're in when you're sleeping, it's a little thin when it comes to, you know, the realities that exist out there, the, the varying realms. So maybe 
If there's something important happening on the other side, there could be a message coming your way via your daughter or your son or someone else young who is having a soliloquy or a soliloquy on stage somewhere, but probably probably the other one. I tell you guys I have this recurring dream where I'm in a play and I don't know any of my lines. It's probably pretty common, but I've never really been in a play before, so I'm, I'm a little confused, but it's a, it's a very distressing dream. Mm-hmm. I've got, it's weird, all my, uh, one of the reasons I don't care for sleep is that all my dreams take place in an interconnected universe and stuff that happens in one affects, like the consequences stay with it. Uh, so it's, it's a complicated thing and I can like draw the buildings and stuff, but I still have, I, you know, like you're saying, no, I still have reoccurring sort of scenarios. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Strickland ruined that word for us, but I still have like these scenarios. Scenario. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. I still have these scenarios. Scenarios. Ugh, he won. He won. He That's did. it. He won. He did. Uh, it sounds very Alan Wake to me. Are you, are you familiar with that? No. Uh, no. No. I like his last name. You really aren't familiar with Alan Wake? Oh. Oh. Uh. First of all, video game oh, from wait, a long this, time ago is this, and Control. Yes, yes, I do. I, I learned about it from Control, actually. <laughs> oh, man, I want to say there's a graphic novel, but maybe I'm completely wrong. Um, I don't know. I think maybe it was just a video game, but it was fantastic. I, God, I loved it. So the the thing that I, I don't know if this is a common scenario for other people, scenario in dreams but you know we have these tropes like like no going going to a place and feeling unprepared right a lot of people dream about high school way into adulthood and sometimes you know i don't know what's on the test or i don't i don't know how to do this experiment a lot of people dream about losing teeth because that's a trippy Mm -hmm. experience the vast majority of human beings go through um i have a reoccur i don't think this will be interesting anyone but you need to get it out i have a reoccurring dream where i bleed spiders i'm not joking like instead of blood and it's not a nightmare it's just a thing that happens that is ancillary to the plot of the dream wow and with that uh we wish you good night we (laughs) wish you the best of dreams oh come on you guys have that too may visions Um, of blood spiders dance in your heads this you need to you need to have a conversation with that dude from the national. I think you guys have some pretty similar really <laughs> mental imagery going on. <laughs> Does he do you think he has, well everybody's dreams in their own country, like you said, reality is thin and um you can also find it's very inch like when you look at the kids in reincarnation, you can the people who believe in that, you can find these strange anecdotes about stuff their kids said like this i think parasomnia could be a great full episode as could again depending on on what shakes out over there at the pentagon uh that could be a full episode too i mean these are mysteries especially the pentagon one i i the pentagon one i think we have a better chance of solving uh, than the mystery of uh, Vietnam soldiers possibly left behind. It's funny. I was looking at the headline or the, you know, sometimes the, you know, the headline of an article is different than the, uh, what, what it says at the top of the browser. You know what I mean? Cause they need to like, you know, conserve space so that you get most of the text on the tab. Uh, but it said Florida mystery. And for a second I was like, is that a typo? Uh, but the company in question uh, with the very generic name is based in Florida. I thought that was an odd thing to lead with Florida mystery. Hmm. Is that the same as a Florida man, a Florida mystery? Mm-hmm. 
The Florida mysteries are many. I think Florida mystery is also a very uh, specific move in bed. What exactly? I don't know. Let us know. You please (laughs) let us know. Or maybe it's some kind of noirish sort of, you know, a genre of like detective novel. (laughs) I just, the Florida, or maybe, maybe, maybe it's a flavor of, uh, maybe it's a flavor of like slushy you can order. You can walk into a 7-Eleven and just say, I'll have a Florida mystery. It could be mm. any of those three things that we just named. It's I love mi- it. I don't know what else. To, I don't know where else to go here. Gal, we have gone way over time here. Uh, if you like uh, Knockout Ned, right? Miller, for sure. And K-Dog. Yeah, thank you to Knockout Ned, K-Dog, and Miller. And thanks to everybody for tuning in. The These listener mails really uh, the first part of an episode in our heads. The second part is when you write to us. You're the second part of this show. That's right. And, of course, the most important part of the show, as evidenced by how much overtime we are on today's episode, because you send us just the best stuff. And we just really love you all. Uh, So please let us know what you think um, of uh, this episode and others. Enter in the conversation. You can find us on the usual spots on the Internet where we are conspiracy stuff on Twitter and Facebook, Conspiracy Stuff Show on Instagram. That's right. And we have a phone number. If you don't like social media, you can use your phone to call us. It's crazy. 1-833-STDWYTK. Leave us a message, please. At the very top, tell us what you would like for us to call you. Doesn't have to be your real name. Can if you want. But be careful. Uh, Then leave your message. Please try to keep it within three minutes because that's all you have for one message. At the end of that message, anything you want to say personally to us or to a producer, please put it there. That'll be helpful for us to maybe edit it out of the episode if we have to. If, for any reason, you've got a lot to tell us, a long story, maybe some articles, some links, something else to share, we recommend you use our email address. We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex-
National Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN.